Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. This is one thing that I came away with when our daughter died. No matter how bad it is, it cannot change how good God always is. No matter how bad it is, and it's bad. This is bad. It's going to get even badder. I know that's not proper English, but no matter how bad it is, it cannot change how good God is. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. For Job, everything went extremely bad, extremely quick. His joyous and peaceful life instantly turned into great suffering. Yet he didn't lose hope in God. Pastor J.D. encourages us to keep our eyes on the Lord, even in the worst of times. With Jesus, we can get through anything and will ultimately find the most holy of ending, an eternity with Him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. and Job chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. There is this, sadly, this notion within the life of a Christian that everything is supposed to go smoothly. And certainly uh, there is a, um, a group within the body of Christ known as the Word Faith Movement that promotes this. That if you just have enough faith, uh, you'll be healthy and wealthy. And, you know, um, just name it and claim it. <laughs> if you just have enough faith. And I hate to say it this way, but maybe I have to say it this way. That comes from the pit of hell. That is not only not biblical, it is demonic to me. To suggest that, and I know I've shared this, maybe it's appropriate that I I share it again, but... I actually had somebody after my daughter died come to me and say to me, if you would have had enough faith, your daughter wouldn't have died. And I gotta tell you something. I'm, I'm, I'd like to think of myself as being pretty grounded and pretty rooted, you know, soundly in the Word of God. So I didn't (laughs) fall for that, but I could have. You imagine a young Christian? You can really mess them up with something like that. You mean to tell me that if I haven't, that means that my daughter died because of me. It's my fault. I didn't have enough faith. And it it's all under the banner of that we don't accept both prosperity, and adversity. And listen to what Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 7. This should settle it. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. Praise the Lord. Okay? But in the day of adversity, consider. 
Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other. Oh, God has appointed both prosperity and adversity. I wonder what the word faith movement does with verses like this and the many others like them in the word of God. What what, what do they do with the book of Job? They can't touch it. It will completely dismantle and destroy their demonic doctrine, a doctrine of demons. If you just have enough faith. And, And by the way, don't you find it interesting that these people, oh man, I don't want to be anywhere near them on that great and final day when they have to give an account for their $75 million private jet in Jesus' name. Their, their Rolls Royces, their Bentleys, their Mercedes Benz, their, their jewelry, their, and they flaunt it. They're all about the money. It's all about the money. And they make merchandise of the saints. They're going to have to give an answer to God one day for that. Well, God appoints the one as well as the other. And here's why. So that man can find out nothing that will come after him. In other words, God allows, and as another translation renders it, he brings alongside adversity with prosperity, side by side, one with the other, appointing both. So, during times of prosperity and joy, don't feel guilty. Praise the Lord for it. Don't apologize. God's blessing you. Enjoy and rejoice and praise God. But when, not if, when God deems it fit to allow adversity to strike, He does so. He brings one alongside the other for this reason, so that we will stop and consider, okay, Lord, Nothing is certain about the future. And here's the thing. When adversity strikes, is that not when I turn to Him? Oh, think about it. During times of prosperity, are we not prone to kind of glide and abide? Things are going well, and it manifests in our prayer life, doesn't it? Our prayer life becomes very abbreviated. Lord, thank you. Bless me. Bless this. Bless them. Amen. But boy, that adversity strike. Oh, God. I mean, we're praying in King James with reverb. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I mean, our prayer life takes on a whole new complexion. Now we're praying with passion and with power. You might say God's got our attention. Why? Because adversity has struck. God has appointed it, maybe for that reason, so He could get our attention. Because when things are going well, He doesn't have our attention, does He? When things are going well, I know in my own life, I'll speak for myself, okay? But as I do, don't look at me all spiritual, because (laughs) I know you're a lot like me in this regard. If you're honest, I'll be honest. When things are going well, man, 
I have a book in my library. The title of it says it all. The Agony of Affluence. The Agony of Affluence. You know what is more dangerous than poverty is prosperity. Prosperity can sort of lullaby you to a a spiritual sleep. And you start sort of buying into this notion that, hey, uh, tomorrow's going to be even better. And it really has an impact on your relationship with the Lord. It's when adversity strikes that you're put in that place, rightfully so, where you have to trust God and depend upon God during those seasons of adversity. That's the time, and sometimes it's the only time, when we stop and consider. Now God's got my attention. What do you want to show show me, God? What do you want me to see in this, Lord? Because when I'm doing well and things are going well, um, I'm not really, I'm not giving you my undivided attention. I'm just kind of in the moment enjoying the prosperity. And when that adversity comes, and it comes, then God has my attention. And it's because He wants to show, show me something. He wants to bring something to my attention that he would not otherwise be able to bring to my attention had he not brought the adversity into my life. Well, verse 11, Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite. This is the first recorded and the shortest man in the history of mankind. He was only shoe height. That you know, I just I I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure you're still with me. Shoe height. That's anyway. Bildad the shoe height. Okay. And Zufar the Naamathite. For they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, they lifted their voices and wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was great. Wow. Again, this is one of those places where you you really have to imagine the scene. Interesting that uh, they, first of all, they heard about what had happened to Job. Of course they are. He's their friend. And apparently they connected with each other and set up a time where they would travel to where Job was at and be there for him. And to their credit, they're actually off to a good start. And I find it interesting that they would just be there and weep. Now, one thought is that this was the custom in that time where 
uh, when you came to mourn with somebody, you would not speak until they first spoke. That you would just remain silent and not say anything until they said something, which is what happens, but it's seven days before Job opens his mouth and says something, and then after he does, boy, do they have something to say, unfortunately. But that's chapter 4 and on. But let's, um, let's kind of give them a break here. At least they're willing to go. I wonder how many, certainly Job didn't have only three friends, right? But there's only three that come. What does that say about the other so-called friends who didn't? Surely they heard, but they didn't come. So at least they were willing to go. And they're just going <laughs> to, when they when they saw him, can you imagine how stunned they were? The last time they saw him, they were probably having a wonderful feast. And Job was good old Job. And now they come and they see him. And instead of going to where the feast was, where they would gather, they're going to a, a rubbish heap. And they see him, and they didn't even recognize him. He, he must, I can imagine how they would have winced at just the sight of him when they got there. And tearing their clothes again, a symbol of their heart being torn, and they just weep. These are men of means, certainly. And they just weep with him. And this brings to mind what we're told to do in Scripture, and that is to weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice, but weep with those who weep. And there's something to be said about saying nothing at all, right? I mean, what do you say? What do you say to somebody that has just had something like this happen to them. What are you going to say? You know, sometimes the, the best thing to say is nothing at all. Spence says, sometimes people don't need your mouth, they need your shoulder. They just, they just need you to be there and cry with them, but don't say anything. What are you going to say? There's nothing you can't say. I know when, um, and again, I can speak to this. I, I hope you'll forgive the reference, personal reference. But I just remember very clearly, it's been um, 12 years now, but I can remember how people would just come over to our home when our daughter was dying, and they would just be there for us. They would just sit there with us, and they would just weep with us, and they wouldn't say anything. I mean, they maybe in all fairness didn't know what to say, but just that they were there for us and with us said everything. 
And isn't it true that, that tears can say what words cannot? And sometimes the, the silence speaks louder than any words could ever speak. I mean, just them sitting there and being there. I remember uh, many of them in particular would, would actually just hold Noel. And that was very precious to us. They were holding our daughter, and the words were few. Reminds me of another Ecclesiastes verse in chapter 5. Let your words be few. (laughs) G. Campbell Morgan of Job's friends had this to say, While it is true that Job suffered more at the hands of these friends ultimately then by the attacks of the foe, yet some recognition must be made of the goodness of the men. In other words, let's, let's give credit where credit is due in a twofold way. First, at least they went there and were there for their friend. And secondly, that they just remained silent and they just wept with their friend who wept. You know, I'm looking at that clock. I hate that clock. That clock is not my friend, and I don't want to rush through chapter 3. I do want to do one thing here. We'll pick it up, Lord willing, in chapter 3 next week. But I want to um, close with something I think is really important, especially as a a takeaway. Um, We're going to see in chapter 3 that Job is going to finally open his mouth, and he's going to basically curse the day he was born. He doesn't curse God. He curses the day of his birth. And we're going to now, in chapter 3, Lord willing, again next week, uh, see Job express his pain and his despair and his agony. And so I want to close with a quote from Oswald Chambers that um, has really helped me over the years, especially during those really low points you know, when you hit rock bottom and you think, man, I just, I can't go on. I mean, where discouragement gives way to despair. And I mean, you're just drinking deeply from this cup of despair. And listen to what uh, Oswald Chambers says in Baffled to Fight Better, his commentary on the book of Job. He says this, Facing facts as they are produces despair. Not frenzy, but real, downright despair. And, listen to this, God never blames a man for despair. God never blames us or faults us or holds against us our despair. He goes on to say, The man who thinks must be pessimistic. Thinking can never produce optimism. The wisest man that ever lived, speaking of Solomon, said that he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. You know, we have a saying in the secular that goes something like this, ignorance is bliss. With much knowledge comes much sorrow. I think about this in terms of 
uh, prophetic scripture. We know much in terms of what is about to come upon the whole earth during the seven-year tribulation, and that produces despair. That produces sorrow, especially for those who are left behind that will go through that. We see what is going to come upon this world. We know what is going to happen, yet future. And that produces despair. A man who thinks must be pessimistic. And that's okay, because if our going to that pessimism takes us to God, then so be it. And that's the end of it. He goes on to say, the basis of things is not reasonable, reasonable, but wild and tragic. And to face things as they are brings a man to the ordeal of despair. That's where Job's at. And it's okay. Because God has a purpose in it. And God never faults us when we're in that place of despair. He ne- He knows we're but dust. <laughs> he knows what we're made of. And again, as we talked about at the beginning, He will never allow us, and it's different for everybody, He will never allow us to, in that place of despair, take us beyond that which we're able to bear up under. He just won't, and He knows where that is. We would like to think we know where that is. It's kind of like when you're a kid, you're getting spanked. And, and you're just like, okay, okay, you know. And you're, you know, crying and, and, you know, and, but your parent keeps spanking you. And you, you think, I can't, I can't take anymore. Oh no, yes you can. And you do. God knows how much we can take. And it's always more than we think it is that we can take. But I want to leave us with this. Um, And it's going to get just horrible. Uh, I I hope you come back next week for the horrible (laughs) that it's going to become. But it's going to be horrible in a good way because we're going to see what God is going to do. This is one thing that I came away with when our daughter died. No matter how bad it is, it cannot change how good God always is. No matter how bad it is, and it's bad. This is bad. It's going to get even badder. I know that's not proper English, but no matter how bad it is, it cannot change how good God is. The book of Job shares the story of a man who has lost everything, but still clung to his faith in the goodness of God. This is an unusual concept, especially in a world that typically blames God for the evil that is around the world. God is still good no matter the difficulties you are facing in your own life. God is in control, and He will bring things to the conclusion He knows is right and perfect. He provides the peace and comfort you'll need to endure as well. Along with the strength to continue forging ahead, trust God, He's on your side. We hope you found encouragement and blessing through today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. 
We'd love to connect with you, so please take time to visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Follow our links to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and join the conversation already happening there. You'll learn more about our ministry at our website as well, and be able to catch the latest editions of the Mideast Prophecy Update. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes a look at current events of the world and compares them with scriptural teachings, sharing what God is teaching him through it all. You'll find these updates at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com as well as on our mobile app for Apple and Android phones. That brings us to the end of our time with you today. There's much more to discover in the book of Job. We hope you'll read ahead and ask God to reveal His truth through the words on the page. Join us on the next edition of In Spirit and Truth as Pastor J.D. continues his study in Job. Holy me true.